0: of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a joy to be back, to see all of you. I've gone through an experience that's hard to put words to, and I hope in the coming weeks and months to share pieces and portions of the journey of the pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And definitely uh, in the fall, during Theology 101, I hope to give a little bit more of a detailed account of the places that I've been and seen. But, again, it's hard to put words to it all. Last Sunday I was serving liturgy at the Holy Sepulchre. And here I am with you today. So, a lot of transition. Uh, But I know that God will work through this experience and bless each and every one of you. Firstly, I know that our entire community will be prayed for at the many liturgies in these holy places because we left our names to be commemorated at the Proscomidi, so they'll commemorate our parish of St. John in each liturgy. And that will be a great blessing for us. Today I want to talk about three icons that revealed themselves to me in the last two weeks. I left two weeks ago, a little bit more than that. And uh, a few months before the trip had uh, come together, as it was coming together, I realized I would be flying out of San Francisco. So uh, this Holy Land pilgrimage is the, the benefaction of my dad. He decided that for his retirement, he wanted to bring all of the family to the Holy Land. So they're all in California, flying out of San Francisco. So we had to fly down to San Francisco. And then I realized we would have to spend the night there because of the early morning flight. And my first thought was, visit St. John. So we got an early flight on Friday morning into San Francisco and then went to the cathedral to visit St. John Maximovich to pray before his relics, pray for our journey. And then we went over to the bookstore to get a few more icons. As we went through the Holy Land, we were giving out icons of St. John to the the monks and, and nuns that we met along the way. And after coming out of the bookstore onto Geary Street in San Francisco, this woman comes up to me and says, Father, do you have a moment? in my hardness of heart, I'm thinking this person has a story they want to tell me and ask for money. And she says, no, just a minute, just a minute. I have an icon for you. And so she brings me over to her car. And she pulls this out of her car. And I knew that this was a great blessing from St. John. She said, my friend gave me Many icons, and my husband said, I have too many icons already, so I need to find a good place for them. (laughs) So she goes to the cathedral, she walks in the bookstore, realizes she doesn't want to give it to the bookstore, they'll just sell it. And then she saw me. So we received this icon. And St. John's blessings continued through our journey, and we returned. We were supposed to return the day before his feast day, and I was supposed to be here in liturgy yesterday. But as God, God's providence was, we had a difficulty with our flights and the connections in Istanbul. It ended up that once again we had to spend the night in San Francisco. And we spent it no less than on the eve of his feast day. And so as we're in San Francisco by the airport, we know that at the cathedral they're doing the vigil there for his feast day. St. John Maximovich has always been important to our parish community. He's back there in the back corner along the wall. For those of you who don't know much about St. John, you can read about him. Or you can ask Agape or John Caraza, or Lois or Colleen or many other people in our parish whose families have had very direct experiences with St. John. But then I got to thinking there's another reason why St. John is very important to us right now in this day. Because we're building a church. By God's grace, we're finding the property for our permanent church. And this was St. John's final work, was to help them build the new cathedral on Gary Street, the cathedral that ultimately he was placed in after his repose. So he's a person for our parish, especially for that, and also for another reason. St. John loved children. He worked in an orphanage in Shanghai, there's this famous picture of him smiling and Bishop John in San Francisco said that photo was taken when he was looking at his kids at the orphanage or or some other kids as well so we are looking for a youth director we have much uh, wisdom that is needed in that process so I would like starting this week to place St. John's icon it will be on this table over on the side we'll find a stand for it And every time you see that icon, pray for our church, for the building of the church, and also that we may find a right and fitting and worthy person to fill the position that we're seeking. Because ultimately, those two goals are not at odds. Those two goals are in harmony with the overall movement of our parish. And as we see in St. John's life, those two things were very important in his life. So that was one blessing. The second icon is an icon that some of you may know. Sorry, this is a small icon, I'll hold it up. This is the icon of the meeting of Panagia with Elizabeth, her kinswoman, they were cousins. And there in the womb is Christ and John the Baptist who's leaping in the womb, as we remember from the Gospel of Luke. And this icon is, uh, this specific icon is from the birthplace of John the Baptist. There's a monastery and a church At the site where John the Baptist, where his parents lived, and where John the Baptist was born, and I brought back a number of icons from there that the bookstore will be selling, so you can go check those out. They probably won't be ready today, but in the coming days. But this is one of the icons. And why am I talking about this icon? Besides the fact that we picked it up in the Holy Land, and many other icons we picked up, because his feast day, his nativity, is on June 24th. And there's something that important that happened on that day here in the United States. On June 24th, by God's grace, we have given, been given more freedom in this country so that we can protect the lives of the innocent. You know about the Supreme Court decision. Who doesn't know about this? So this icon right here, this is the testament to the witness of the Orthodox faith in regards to abortion. In case you had any questions about how the Orthodox Church understands abortion, we understand it as the Gospel of Luke, in which John the Baptist was leaping in his womb. Was he a fully formed human being? Yes, of course he was, because he was recognizing his savior. So this icon will be available in the bookstore, and it's a a special blessing that the icon is specifically from the birthplace of John the Baptist. Three days later, after June 24th, after his nativity, we visited the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. And at the Church of the Nativity, in a side chapel, they have the relics of the holy innocents. The holy innocents are those who were slain by King Herod. And our parish is blessed to have a portion of those relics in our church. And the holy innocents, again, are a witness to our profound belief that we must protect the innocent, that the innocent are those who need our protection. And so, as we prayed before the relics of the holy innocents there, I remembered our own relics here in our parish. The third icon is also from the Nativity Church in Bethlehem, and the Nativity Church Uh, For those of you who don't know, it's the only church that was not destroyed by Saladin and the Persians in the 600s. So all of the other Orthodox churches, uh, Byzantine churches that were built, were destroyed by the Persians. But this one was not. And this one was uh, saved, they say, because the Persians came into the church and saw a mosaic icon of the three wise men. They said, these are our people. We don't want to destroy this place. So the church stands to this day. It was built by Justinian in the 5th century. It's an amazing church. And inside that church, there's an icon called Panagia of Bethlehem. And that's this icon here. Again, I'm sorry it's small. This will be up in the front for you to come by and venerate and look at after the service. But Panagia of Bethlehem, you can't quite see from your seats, I'm sure. She's smiling. And in this icon, you can't quite see the smile. But if you saw the original, which is in the Church of the Nativity, she has a little bit of a smile upon her face. And this is not something that we normally see in icons of Panagia, because she has that look of so many in the icons, which is that of divine wisdom. But she has a smile in this icon. And that smile is her joy, they say, because she gave birth to our Lord. But I have to say, that's not the joy she felt at first, I'm sure. We also visited Mary's well in Nazareth, which is where the Archangel Gabriel came to Mary. And you can imagine a young woman, around 13 years old, going to get water from the well, the only well in Nazareth, and the Archangel Gabriel coming to her and telling her that she would become the mother of God. I'm sure she was terrified. I'm sure she was nervous, I'm sure she was anxious. She had enough resolve and enough holiness, no doubt, to say, may it be done according to your word, and this inaugurated the journey of our salvation. But she was undoubtedly very worried. Here she was not even married, and now she's pregnant. And on that day of her conception, I'm sure there was great anxiety. This relates very much to the gospel that we heard today. Our Lord tells us, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Or what shall I do in this circumstance? Or how can I bear this situation? Or why is this happening to me? For the Gentiles seek these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. And this is what Panagia did, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. She took on such a heavy, heavy burden, being such a young woman, being being pregnant outside of marriage, taking God inside her womb, but then she found joy. And so we see that icon and the little smile in her face. We, my beloved, also have many struggles, so many struggles in our life. But God in his immense love for us is not far in these struggles. His care and concern for us is equal to his care for his own mother. I'll say that again. His care and concern for each and every one of us is equal to his care and concern for his own mother. I've read from this book before. If you don't have it yet, get it. It's called Anxiety, How It Is Created and How It Is Healed. And Archimandrite Simeon says this, It is impossible for God to exclude someone from salvation and holiness. It would be as though he would say, You know, I'm going to make this and that person saints, but you, I will only save you a little. I will only be interested in you a little, just a little. It's impossible for God to do this. He does not play favorites. We should never let a thought like this cross our mind. God is as concerned about you as he is about the Apostle Paul or even the greatest of saints. He stoops down over you and wants to sanctify you just as he sanctified the greatest of saints. We need to pay attention to this fine point. When you're able to see things this way, you will accept whatever God allows. You will say, Lord, you know everything, and since you allow for things to be this way, may it be blessed. Once you take this approach, you will begin to see things differently. You will confront them differently. When you do not take this approach, you experience difficulties and suffer. You see, our worries, our anxieties, our fears are a spiritual matter. They're a spiritual matter that can only be addressed spiritually. And when we approach our trials in this way, knowing that our God loves us and that he is He is with us through these struggles and trials. Then we can begin to have peace, and only then can we have peace. So we must strive to not forget this. Another place that we visited was the convent of Mary Mary Magdalene near the Garden of Gethsemane, which is a Russian Orthodox convent, and they have the relics of St. Elizabeth and St. Barbara, the new martyrs who are part of the Romanov family. The righteous Empress Alexandra Romanov said this It is necessary to look more calmly on everything. What is to be done? Once He has sent us trials, He evidently thinks we are prepared for it. One can find in everything something good and useful, whatever sufferings we go through. Let it be. He will give us force and patience and will not leave us. He is merciful. It is not only necessary to bow to his wish without murmur and await there, on the other side, he is preparing to all those who love him indescribable joy. I know that being anxious, being worried, having fears is something that we all struggle with. And so let us look to that icon of Panagia with her little smile there on her face. Because she passed through from anxiety to joy. And this is the journey that each of us must take in our trials. is passing through the worry and the anxiety and saying to God, may it be blessed. These are hard words. Sure, we can say may it be blessed when it's something good. But how do we say may it be blessed when it's something difficult, a great struggle, a tragedy? How do we say that? So we say to our Lord, we pray to him that we may be like Panagia, that we may continue to stay close to him and recognize his love for us so that we may to reach that place of joy. Amen.